right, we are live, and welcome to the newly rebranded Mock Draft Mondays. I am your host, Tyler Fornis, with me, Deshaun Vaughn, and producer Dave in the man cave, all right? So, little format change here tonight. It's the offseason. We're talking mock drafts. We're talking the future of the franchise. We're going to dive into what the Vikings learned from this weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about Kirk Cousins. We're going to talk about but potentially uh, trading him and what that could net us in the draft. And we're going to start off with our first mock draft of the offseason. Strap in. It's going to be a fun hour. Let's roll, Dave. Welcome to Climbing the Pockets Mock Draft Mondays. Who will the Vikings pick and who's your favorite choice? Ing Pot, we have Mary live in the chat. We are ready to rock and roll. Gentlemen, how are we feeling after the best week of football we likely have ever seen in our lives? It was good, man. Uh, I I learned today that 13 seconds is long enough for anything. <laughs> so to, to everybody Tell that there, to your you girlfriend achieve. or wife. <laughs> hey, it's 13, long enough to create a anything kid. in 13 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's awful fast. Now nah, it was me being the old timer here. It was the best weekend of football I have ever seen on one single weekend. That mm-hmm. was amazing. All four games coming down to field goals, obviously with last night's game coming down to that field goal to tie it. It's just the product that was on the field this weekend not in the super duper spectacular wildcard weekend, but this weekend was outstanding. That is why we watch the NFL. That is amazing. There is no other sport on the planet that comes close to producing excitement like that was. There's only one, and it's called New Japan Pro Wrestling, but we won't go down that nerd rabbit hole here tonight. Uh, no, I agree 100%, Dave. It was fantastic. You are probably never going to see an entire weekend of playoff football be decided exclusively on walk-offs. The first three were all walk-off field goals, and what was really interesting about all the walk-off field goals, they all had four seconds on the clock, which is pretty remarkable. And then you had uh, Patrick Mahomes just deciding to uh, um, play God mode and just kind of take everything over, which was incredibly impressive. Um, Joseph, yes, I did survive Iowa, and I did I did not get joined by Stephen Weatherly. Um, I just want to point that out for you. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, I, I'm going to have a lot of stuff coming tomorrow in my latest article for the Vikings Wire talking about uh, a little bit about one major factor that the Vikings could have uh, that should have learned this weekend and how they can exploit it. What are your biggest takeaways? We'll start with you, Deshaun. When you watch this weekend of football what is your biggest takeaway for the minnesota vikings moving forward so when you look at all the games you're kind of stuck between that whole you need to build a team you need to find a great quarterback because you look at the tennessee titans they should have won that game like if we're being if we're being real the titans should not have lost to the Bengals that game. They got something insane, like nine sacks on the quarterback, but they ended up 
Tannehill had the ball. He's supposed to go down and score. Ends up throwing a really ugly interception. I think that was like his third of the game or something like that. So it's like finding that that middle ground. And I don't even know if it's middle ground because it's like you need – like you don't need a Patrick Mahomes level quarterback to be like super successful. But you you need to have a defense that can stop him because if we're being honest – if, in my personal choice, the Bills didn't deserve to touch the ball in OT. Giving up a field goal in 13 seconds, oh, I, I counted it out. So after the Bills had scored, the Bills did some crazy stuff on offense. But the Chiefs scored 10 points in eight plays, like a minute and eight seconds, and 110 yards. That's insane. Like your your defense couldn't stop them like at all. So it's like... In the playoffs, you have to have a crazy offense, but you also need to have like a solid floor on defense. You cannot have that happen. Forty yards in thirteen seconds—that's that's wild. That's that is insane. So, like, I so I'm looking at the Bengals because I feel like the Bengals have a a solid model. Almost like Joe Burrow is good. Joe Burrow is great. He's he's not Josh Allen. He's not Patrick Mahomes, but he's really good. But then they have a defense that has the ability to stop a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen from scoring like 40-plus, and they still have that offense that can score with them. So, honestly, man, it's balanced. It's, it's going to be hard. It's going to definitely be hard to build this super team. It seems like there's three or four super teams out there, and now the Rams took out the Buccaneers. It's going to be hard, but you got to find that balance somehow. You definitely got to find that. I'll say this to absolutely nobody's surprise. Deshaun and I have different opinions on this. Um, <laughs> I I don't necessarily think it's a balanced thing, but I completely understand where you're coming from on it. Um, I I'll say it like this, and I'm not the first one to say it, and I'm not exactly quoting it exactly how I heard it. But um, great teams win division titles, stars win championships, and I think we really em- saw that emphasized for the most part today. And not only do stars win championships, they also lose championships. Um, just take a look at the Packers. The Packers play great defense. Um, no, I, you know what? This isn't me roasting the Packers. We can shade and throw it all we want because it, it was incredible. Can we? Can we roast the Packers? We can do it in a little bit, sure. But I, I think <laughs> it's important to note why the Packers uh, lost that game, and it was because Aaron Rodgers and the offense did not play up to par. That. D'Amico Ryans was running a lot of similar blitz concepts and stuff to what Mike Zimmer was doing, and they did not adjust to it. They were not prepared for what Ryans had in store for them, and quite simply, they folded on offense. Uh, Special teams, you're almost never going to win games because of it, but you will lose games because of it. The Packers blatantly lost that game because of special teams and that final drive, which was incredibly calculated by Kyle Shanahan and orchestrated well by Jimmy Garoppolo. Outside of that, Joe Burrow won that game against the Titans. The fact that he was on that team with that confidence and you knew that the second he was under center, you had a shot to make a big play every single time out, even with the nine sacks, with the constant pressure. And you know what? He didn't have the best game. But because of those factors and that leadership from Joe Burrow, the confidence that they have in him, it made all the difference. And then Tom Brady, what more can you say about Tom Brady? If Todd Bowles doesn't blitz the number one ranked passing team against the blitz, both times on that last drive, we're probably in overtime. And if we go to overtime, that's probably the Bucks game. Like, stars make a difference in big moments. 
and then Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Both guys had an EPA per play over 0.5. Just absolutely nutty. We're we're talking God mode. Like, all mad. Expert. Like, they're playing the game at a higher on a higher plane than we've seen in a long, long time. They're the reason why their teams were where they were at. Yes, the Bills have the number one defense. They were in that game where they were because Josh Allen was absolutely incredible. And the Chiefs, same with Patrick Mahomes. You take either one of those guys out, it's a runaway for the other squ- other side. Like Stars win titles. You still have to get to the dance. And I think that we're seeing that with Joe Burrow right now. Once you get to the dance, you can make some damage. The Niners are the anomaly here. There's always an exception to every rule. And I think the reason why the Niners are the anomaly is because of Kyle Shanahan's brilliance, D'Amico Ryans, and how he maximizes that team. They can get pressure with four and play coverage. Like That's a very nice winning recipe on defense. Plus, they have stars on every level. And then they also play a physical, smash-mouth brand of football while being really technical and explosive with their athletes. They're built incredibly different than everybody else in the league. And because of that, they're able to really take advantage. Stars win championships. That, that I'll be honest, that's, that's my 100% biggest takeaway here. Mary brings up the decision on the kickoff to the Chiefs. Yes, I believe the Bills made a bad choice by kicking it through the end zone or into the end zone. If they would have kicked it short, they would have eaten some clock, maybe got it down to about eight seconds. And then if Patrick Mahomes drives that far in eight seconds, that's just the fact that he did in 13 is fantastic. But yes, that was probably a bad tactical choice on part of the Bills. Yeah, you can really argue either side, Dave. Um, if you squib it and it hits an up man and they get the ball at the 50, now you have Patrick Mahomes with three timeouts. I'm not saying squib it. I'm saying to kick it to the to the five or like to a, the two. Like a, like a pooch kick, so they have yeah. to kick it in bounds. Like they have to they've take it in They've got to get, yeah. catch it and return it. I don't know. With, with, with the return man they have, that's still risky. It, it's it's a risk either way. You're trusting that the number one defense can prevent them from getting 40 yards in 13 seconds. I understand where you're coming from, and I don't necessarily disagree. I'm saying that I think you can argue both points, and they have merit. It's It, it reminds me of that Bill Belichick fourth and two against the Colts in the regular season, like, what, uh, like 13 years ago? They were up six against the Colts in Indianapolis. Against Peyton Manning, where you knew if Peyton Manning touches the ball again, you're going to lose. So you try and win. Mm-hmm. And the reason I bring that up is Bill Belichick got absolutely slaughtered in the media for it. And I always love the call. Just try and win the game. The Vikings did the same thing against the Seahawks last year. But because it failed, it's getting buried, even though it's not necessarily the wrong call. So I think we just need to look at it from both sides. Because I probably would have kicked it deep, as Deshaun pointed out. You have Tyree Kill. Yeah, Nicole but Tyree Hart. Kill. Yeah, yeah, what I'm is not, the, what are what are the I'm percentages not, of Tyree Kill having another good return? I'm not. Well, he already did it Hill. once. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's what I'm can't, saying. It's it's small, unless you don't trust your special teams to stop him. 
No, I don't trust my special teams to stop Tyreek Hill. <laughs> Dave, Dave, I, 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 and this goes back to my point earlier. Start you trust your defense to don't, stop Mahomes. Don't give that is, your that's, that's a other team stars to win the game for you. And the two plays on defense, gosh, I don't think they could have done a worse job with those two plays. But because they didn't try and eliminate the stars. By kicking it deep, you're eliminating the star power. It's it's a debate, but and we don't want to get too bogged down with it because we have a lot that we need to get to here still. And kind of as we transition towards the offseason, the big, big talker is Kirk Cousins. Um, and then kind of as we uh, transition into that, I know Joseph had a question for me about Josh Allen. Um, and that's going to really play into this. I had Josh Allen as a late first-round grade. The biggest issues were how can he play within structure? How can he grow because he was massively inaccurate he did not put up great numbers and how can he develop into being this sky high ceiling player that everybody thought he could be well it took patience and the only two quarterbacks had ahead of him were baker mayfield and lamar jackson i feel pretty good about the fact that i didn't have rosen or Donald high because i disliked both of them a lot um <laughs> but the reason why we're i answer that question as we transition to Kirk Cousins is because the big issue with Kirk Cousins is not necessarily that he's bad. Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback. And because he's a very good quarterback, there is a tendency to want to lean on and latch on to that player. You don't want, you don't want to get rid of him because what happens if it gets worse? Well, what happens if it never gets better if you keep it? And I think that's one of the main reasons why the Vikings fans, um, Vikings pundits, national media are talking about moving on from Kirk Cousins because it's not what he's giving you. It's that he can't take you to that next level. And we can have the debate if he can or can't, but that's the whole purpose behind it. He he is not a Josh Allen type. He is not a Patrick Mahomes type. We took a chance on one of those, Dante Culpepper, and if Red McCombs decided, hey, I actually want to care about this team and spend money instead of trying to flip it for $100 million profit, that team could have bid something. But I think that's that's the main reason. I think it's fair to address that. I know Deshaun has argued keeping Kirk Cousins, and I'm going to let him kind of go off on that tangent before we jump into that mock draft. But we really need to understand the why behind it, and it has nothing to do with Kirk Cousins being bad because it's he's not bad. He has bad games. Great quarterbacks have bad games. Just look at Aaron Rodgers and blowing the game against the Niners. Sorry, I, I I was having fun there. Shane Freud, we're, we're going to do that all throughout the night. Um, if you have a quick question, is yeah. Aaron Rodgers playing next year? And if so, where? He's not playing with Green Bay. I th- I, I don't. I think I don't yeah. I think he plays, but not in Green Bay. It, he's explicitly said right after the game, "I don't want to be a part of a rebuild." The way the Packers roster is structured, the way their salary cap is. There's $60 million over the cap. They have one tight end, one wide receiver on their roster. Josiah DeGuara and Amari Rodgers are their two pass catchers. No Devontae Adams. Like You're going to have to gut that roster. I don't see – this was an all-in year. They pushed a lot of money forward to try and win now. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to want to come back because they're not going to be able to surround him with – the type of talent to be able to make a Super Bowl run. 
<laughs> We're over it, Jim. <laughs> All right, Deshaun, anything you want to say quickly? Because apparently Jim uh, does not want to hear about Kirk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually on the trade cousins train. Um, I think the only thing that was different is that we disagreed on uh, value because I, I don't think he's as valuable as other people think he is. But um, what I was tweeting was that the Packers, the Packers have ran the division for the most part for the past, what, like 10 years or whatever. So with them gone, and it's not, it's not like the Packers are just like getting a little worse. The Packers are going to gut their entire roster to the point where they might just be the worst team in the division. If that's the case, I said the appeal of keeping Kirk Cousins is there. Is there you get if you keep Kirk Cousins, you're getting I don't want to say it's guaranteed because you have injuries and football is a any given Sunday kind of thing. And we don't know how Justin Fields is going to progress or what the Lions are going to do or whatever. But if the Vikings do the offseason like they're supposed to and they keep Kirk Cousins, you're looking at them being the best team in the NFC North by a wide margin for probably a few seasons. So you're getting three probable playoff bursts to add a chance to go for a championship, especially if Tom Brady decides that he doesn't want to play for the Buccaneers anymore. The Rams are eventually going to have to gut their roster because they have a lot of massive contracts. So it's like, it's, it's there if you want to take it. If, if the new GM came in and was like, I want to keep Kirk Cousins because he gives me the best chance for me to start fast right away. I get it. I don't think it's the right move. I don't think it's the right move because I personally think the offense is built to have someone that's not quite as good as Kirk Cousins, but still still be almost equally as successful, in my opinion. I feel like you bring in the right coach, you can draft a rookie, place him in there, and we'll probably still improve in some in some places. But if you want to still be a top 10 offense, maybe even top five with better offensive coaching, the appeal of having Cousins there, it's good. Like, it's good to the point where if you're a new GM and you want to produce results right away, it's there. That's, that's all I was saying. Now, I wouldn't do it. I would, honestly, I'm fine dumping Cousins for, like, a third-round pick. I don't think he's that viable. I think the the fact that a new team the fact that a new team has to commit to him, they can't trade for him. If they trade for him, you have to commit because you're trading – a one-year, $35 million rental, so you have to commit to long-term, and Cousins is not going to take a pay cut. So that stuff all together kind of just takes – it kind of takes away the first-round value, in my opinion. Matthew Stafford's cap hit was like $25 million. If it was down if it was down that low, maybe, but the fact that he's going to be paid – what? I mean, once you extend him, it'll probably drop to, what, like 28, but next year he's going to be right back up to probably like 38, 39, 40. So that mm-hmm. – within itself is kind of why I don't think you're going to get a first round pick for him. Now, maybe if the Broncos get desperate, they have two second rounders. Maybe we can get one of those in a third, but I think he's out of first round. I think maybe you can sneak a second rounder, but I, I digress on the, on the Kirk cousins discourse. I like what Clifford said. Actually, everybody in the division will be bad. Even if you kept Kirk cousins, he's just the best of the worst. And why do that? Find the next guy, build, and if you tank next season, next season maybe a bridge season, then you get the better draft choice, and the new GM and coach can target whoever they wish to to bring this up to where we're competing with Buffalo 
and competing with the Chiefs. Because even if you kept Kirk Cousins and we win the division next year, do you think we're at the level that we can compete, that he's at the level that we can compete? Not a chance. Not in my opinion. I will I think I think the I think the chances that you hit on a quarterback that allows you to compete at that level is probably a little lower than competing with Kirk Cousins. But we don't know. That's the thing. We have no idea. We have we have absolutely no idea. You have a lot of things that need to go right. So we we have no idea. There's a lot that just has to happen to be able to compete with Kirk Cousins. A lot has to happen to be able to compete with a rookie quarterback or a younger quarterback. So you know it's oh I agree. It's all, I think as but of right now, I could. Can you imagine Kirk Cousins going blow to blow with either of the two quarterbacks last night? No. Oh, definitely not. We, no. would, we would definitely have to be built. We would have to be built like the 49ers. We wouldn't be able to go. It wouldn't be able to go blow for blow. We would definitely have to play, play some fun defense. That's why we yeah. need to move on and look for the next guy. We may not find him, but we need to look for finding him. And mm-hmm. all the and the thumbnail tonight, I put up Josh Allen and um, Patrick Mahomes on there and said, draft guys like this. And people are saying, how Dave, how can you draft guys like that? Those guys are generational talents. They're hard to find. Well, if you go over the 100-year history of the NFL, there's always like five guys that are the elite guys. All of them have been drafted, people. You can find it. You just got to go out and look and nail it and then develop them properly. Once you do that, you're now in that echelon. All we're asking is to take the chance like – uh, Kansas City did when they had Alex Smith or other teams did, Buffalo when they had Tyrod Taylor and he was making a Pro Bowl, to take that mm-hmm. chance to take that next step up. We want to see the Vikings take that next stop and win 12 games regularly a season and be contenders that we all can be proud of. And that's what we're looking for. Dave, are you saying that we can't just go to our local Hy-Vee grocery store and find the next Kurt Warner? I thought that's how everybody did it. No, that was extremely rare. And, you know, hey, Kurt, Kurt Warner was awesome. I watched him. It's great. But that was a big miss on a whole bunch of parts in the NFL. But those people exist. They do exist. You can go out there and find them. Go find one. If you ever want to go down a weird rabbit hole, and we're going to jump to the uh, mock draft here in just a moment. If you ever want to go down a weird rabbit hole, look at the backups for Brett Favre and how many of them became quality starters in the National Football League. It's astounding how many good players backed him up. Kurt Warner was one of them. Only during the preseason, but it's worth noting how many quarterbacks they earned out year after year backing him up. All right. Boys, are we ready? I think we're ready. Let's flip over. Boom. All right. And I so, to, hold on. It, okay. I, I need to set up the screen. I didn't do that before we started. That's my <laughs> fault. That's uh, okay. You got I'll, me on, we'll got me on the side panel. I feel official. Oh, there just wait. And why did that start? All right. I need a draft tag. Well, while Dave uh, gets this all situated here, I'll kind of explain what our format is. So, Last year, what we did was we just did the first four rounds. This year, the Vikings don't have a fourth-round pick. So as we continue to grow within the process 
of understanding these players. Probably just going to start with uh, three rounds here today. We're going to use the Draft Network simulator. Um, in my professional opinion, I think it's the best simulator out there. But I do recommend that you use every simulator available to you. Um, PFN, um, the Ryzen Draft Simulator, PFF, and the Draft Network. Use all of them because you're going to get a, a much better viewpoint of where guys are going to go uh, because there is no true consensus. Everybody has a different way to get the answer, to find out where they're going to draft and where guys are going to fall. Because I may think uh, a quarterback goes at 10, and then all PFF may think they go at 40. PFM may think they go at 20. Um, like There's going to be different ways to get to the same answer, kind of like geometry. Uh, but at the end of the day, use all of them, then you'll have a much better understanding. But for consistency purposes, we're going to continue and use the draft network. Um, yeah, I know, Lauren. We, we got <laughs> the what? Math references, yeah. Oh, math math is, references, man. <laughs> geometry is an abstract uh, form of math, man. Like you can, there are multiple ways to get to the same answer. Algebra, nah, it's pretty much just one. (laughs) (laughs) Clifford, we are here to help you, sir. We are here to help help you learn about these prospects, these players. Um, And so, one of the interesting things about where the Vikings can go in this draft, it is not known as a super strong draft. It is the quarterbacks are a. Big question mark because we just don't know what they're going to be. There's like three blue chip, real blue chip talents in this draft. And then there's a glut of like guys who should be drafted between 10 and 20. And there's about like 25 of them. So the fact that we're at 12 kind of has us sitting in a pretty good position, especially if we choose to trade down at any point. Trading up would only be, in my opinion, for a guy that falls, like whether it be like an Aiden Hutchinson or a Kayvon Thibodeau, or if a quarter, couple quarterbacks go and you're, you know, want to go get your guy. So the way this class is structured is going to be conducive for a, getting your guy or moving slightly back and getting a, a higher pick on day two. Um, it's, it's not last year's class. We're, there's going to be a lot of guys that are like, I don't know. And just question marks. But there are a lot of really good talents. It's just going to take some coaching to get everything out. Yeah, I agree. I think Dave, are we ready? It's going to be about finding yeah. your guy. You ready? We're going with TDN's predictive board? Yep. Oop, hit the right screen. Yes, yeah, Steven. If Kyle Hamilton somehow falls to 12, you take him. Because at the end of the day, he's just a phenomenal football player. I just – I struggle – thinking that he's going to fall. So we got Hutchinson, Stingley, Hamilton, Booth, Thibodeau, Ike Aquanu, Evan Neal, Karloftis, Pickett, Charles Cross, Matt Corral off the board. So kind of here's what this leaves us. Two quarterbacks are off the board. Um, I gave Matt Corral a mid-second. I am not super thrilled about the potential of Kenny Pickett. I, I just don't. I just think he's going to be an average type player. He doesn't have any traits that pop off. But I am excited to get to his tape once I get some film. So if you have any Pittsburgh All-22, let me know. Top guys on the board. Nose tackle Jordan Davis, who's an absolute monster in the middle. David Ojabo, edge rusher, Michigan. Uh, Kenyon Green, interior offensive lineman, most likely a guard. 
uh, from Texas A&M. Jamison Williams, the wide receiver from Alabama who tore his ACL, a clean tear, uh, which is really important to note, uh, from Alabama, uh, arguably the best wide receiver in the country this past year. Center Tyler Lindebaum, Iowa. DeMarvin Leo, the interior defensive lineman, Texas A&M. More of kind of a tweener. Think Cam Hayward uh, from Pittsburgh. Trevon Walker, Edge, Georgia, who is very um, divisive among scouts right now. Uh, Devin Lloyd, off-ball linebacker from Utah. Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Ohio State. And the first quarterback, Sam Howell, North Carolina. And then finally rounding it off, we have cornerback Roger McCreary uh, from Auburn. Deshaun, when you look at the board here, what jumps out to you initially? Um, because the Vikings can go in a lot of different directions. And unless you are you desperately like want to fix one position right away, this could be a great position for the Vikings to just say, screw it, I'm just going to take a great player. You could do that, but I think the way the board fell, this is like prime trade back right here. I think, in my personal opinion, I watched a lot of uh, the YouTube channel, uh, QB School. I think a lot of teams are going to be high on Sam Howell because technically he's very sound. Now, it doesn't always produce, but he has a very solid base to build upon. And the teams that I was looking at were the Raiders and the Saints. I think you can get a lot of draft picks from either one of those two teams on a trade back. So in this position, I, I would probably trade back from here. Uh, some names that I would draft if they were here, uh, Ahmad Gardner, I believe he was drafted. Uh, he was uh, Andrew Booth, if he fell. Uh, Sauce Gardner, who I don't see here. I think he was drafted already, maybe, but I don't see his name. T- no, TDN is just really low on Sauce Gardner compared to everybody else. Um, uh, they, they got I got him super low. Yeah, they, they are not sold on Sauce Gardner being able to translate um, as far as dealing with elite-level talents at the receiver position, something he didn't see a lot of at Cincinnati. But he still didn't allow one touchdown in his entire collegiate career, over a 1,000 um, coverage snaps. That's pretty incredible. That is. But the only conflicting thing is that I like uh, Kair Elam from, from Florida. I like him a lot. So if I was to go on a corner, I would still probably trade back. As of right, I'm a good, I'm a big Penny, Kenny Pickett guy. So as of right now, the only guy that I would probably take at 12 is Kenny Pickett. And if he's not there, I think I'm moving back. What about yeah, I, that David Ojabo, or however it's pronounced from Michigan? Drew all right, school. so here's the deal with Ojabo. Ojabo is, I, I think he immigrated from Nigeria. He's only played football for about four years. Okay. It might be the five or six, but it, let's put it this way. He has not played football for a very long time. His athletic traits are through the roof, and he's already shown a propensity to be able to use a various um, various pass rush moves. So he's not just relying on like a spin move or a swim or a chop. He's able to use a bunch of different stuff against defensive linemen. On the opposite side of Aiden Hutchinson, he got, uh, I think it was 11 sacks on the year. And the guy is raw. He's raw as sushi, and he's already this defined. So the ceiling is really sky high for him. Before we really make decisions, uh, we're going to pick somebody here, obviously, but before we really lock into somebody as, hey, I want this guy, we we really should know what kind of scheme we're running because Ojabo is probably going to be best as kind of how the Packers use Rashawn Gary, but – Right now, we're just taking good football players to add to the Minnesota Vikings because well, we don't know those questions yet. And if you want 
on the scheme, let's assume, this is an assumption, that we're running the 4-3 and they keep Andre Patterson. Okay. As well as my favorite it- coach. Um, those are the two coaches I would like to keep. So mm-hmm. let's assume mm-hmm. they keep. And you know, I, yeah, I, like, I think Ojabo would be. I like Ojabo a lot. Yeah, it, he would be a bit. There's just there's a couple edge guys that I like between that 32 and 44 range. So if you were to trade back and get that extra second round pick, there would be a couple guys that I would be okay settling on if you didn't get Ojabo. But if you're staying at 12, you you don't go wrong with Ojabo. Okay. All right. Well, hey, Dave, can we what? take a look? Can we click on the trade function and see if anybody's offered us anything? I remember that. Exclusive for premium, which tells me you're oh. not <laughs> So we're not doing trades tonight. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll sure look into that because I, in. I know I did get an updated debit card, so that might be part of it too. So I need to re-up that. Um. So uh, it was asked in the chat. Um, is, Ojabo is Ojabo just a pass rusher? Drew, yes, can you tell us that? Question. He's one of your boys. You watched him play every weekend. He's probably just going to be a pass rusher for year one. Um, you can use him every down, but I think you really want to ease him in because, as we talked about, he's raw sushi. He's incredible when you just tell him, hey, go get him. But he still has a lot to learn with the nuances of football. And when you talk about a guy like that, you don't want him overexposed. You don't want him to be frustrated. Give him the tool set to work with, and then you can start using him on an every down level because he has that type of potential. I think he has Miles Garrett ceiling. Like He's got a lot of talent, and he's got the athleticism and size to back it up. But he's still a project. You can still get a lot out of him while he continues to learn to be an every down player. But right away, I'd put him strictly pass rusher. Yeah, well, just like a, a lot like Jason Oa for the Ravens, uh, raw pass rusher that came in, and the Ravens used him really well. And I think he ended up like leading rookies in pressures or something. He ended up having a fantastic season as a yeah. raw guy who didn't do much in college, and he came in. And you, you really want to start, especially when it comes to edge guys. You're drafting traits. You're drafting guys with these traits, these monster traits. You come in and you let them develop. All right, who on this board is the best player available? For the Vikings to pick, regardless of position, I think it's Jordan Davis. But I I can't justify taking him this high because he is honestly a two down defensive tackle, and he doesn't have the kind of game changing ability like an Aaron Donald has. Um, he's really, really, really good. But and there we have Drew when, putting in about yeah. Ojabo. So hey, it it looks like uh, Drew and I are on the exact same page, which. You'll love to see it. Um, Deshaun, if you don't have any objections, I think Ojabo is probably the pick here. You're getting a guy at a premium position with a good floor right now and an incredibly high ceiling. Um, at, Ryan, we'll, we'll talk about Leo. I'm iffy. I need tape. I don't, he could be, but I'm not sold right now. But that's something that we're going to definitely get into more and more as time goes on. Dave, it looks like Deshaun and I are set. We're going to take David Ojabo, the edge rusher out of Michigan. Drew, you can send us beer later because uh, I know you are a very, very happy man. Uh, so I kind of want to dive into this real quick while we wait. Uh, R- Ryan is really sold on Leal. I just don't know where to play him. 
are you is is he going to be successful every down as a three technique? Um, he really is a a big edge. Um, oh, Dave, you only put it at one round. Ah, my bad. Uh, Run it again. Right, well, hey, Kenny Pickett falls to twelve. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? No, Dave, you're saving the draft. We don't need to save it. Okay, I won't save it then. Yeah, because we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna restart it. All right. I'm a, and also when it comes to interior defensive linemen, I feel like so with this defense, I as I kind of go through the mock draft, I'm more inclined to just draft playmakers because we have we need so many positions. Um, but mm-hmm. I do find that interior defensive linemen is one of the positions that I have not been drafting. Just because they still have two of them. I mean, they might end up moving on from Pierce, where you still need to have that uh, that kind of run stopping uh, big body. Um, but I think they're going to want to they're going to want to give um, Watts a chance, and they also have Twyman, who's he's a six rounder. You shouldn't expect anything from him. Um, but I was high on him coming out. So IDL is kind of the ones that I haven't really been paying a whole bunch of attention to. But when it comes to I've been looking at just overall playmakers at linebacker edge corner even a safety type that's kind of the it's in bpa so this in this draft defense is going to be all about bpa you have so many holes you really just need to fill them with good football players and then you can start to fill your needs when it comes to drafting or even draft good football players and then fill your needs with free agency yeah i think uh, the biggest thing with uh idl right now is it's not a great class. Uh, like even Leal, who's the head and shoulders, the number one guy. I'm not convinced he's a full-time three tech. Um, I want to see his measurables. I want to see like him at workouts because he's listed at 285 by Texas A&M. Is he 285? Like, I don't know. I, I love that sound, man. It makes you feel like I'm in yeah. the, I'm in the war room. <laughs> All right, so we love Ojabo first go around. Uh, Dave, it looks like what is this? Uh, is one gone. three and a six from the Saints. No, nah, we don't like that. Well, that's not a far move back, but we we if we're moving uh, back, I want a second. If I'm moving back behind the Eagles, picking twice, I, I want to try to get a second. I'll, I'll say I don't think you're going to get a second to go back that far from twelve to eighteen. Um, just I I remember the Jair Alexander trade. That they went from what I think twenty to fourteen, and they gave up a three. So, oh lord! Like, all right. So, so, what did, is, so when we what did we move from this last draft when the Jets moved up? We were fourteen, and they were what 20, 23. We got two thirds, and one and, of them was basically a second. It was the first third of the round. Yep. All right. So, Steelers twenty and eighty four. Ooh. If we're if we're gonna take anything, the Saints offer is the most attractive right now. Do we wanna take take the Saints offer? I'd probably say no. What was is that the Dolphin? What was the Dolphins offer? We go to thirty and we get nine. Oh, is that fifty? Yeah. That's not a terrible deal. Getting that uh, you end up with three top seventy five picks. It's a a solid if you're was, if you're looking at the back end talent. There's some talent back there. Well, uh, you probably missed out on the quarterback, ex- but the talent is there. 
as an ode to Rick Spielman, let's take it. Charles Cross goes there, and we don't need tackle anyway. So we give up a six to go up five spots. I'd say it's a pretty good deal. Boom. All right. All right. We are at Garrett Wilson is on the board. Uh, it's wide receiver and quarterback central. It looks like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave from Ohio state trail on Burks from Arkansas. Jahan Dotson from Penn State, uh, Carson Strong, quarterback from Nevada, Desmond Ritter, quarterback Cincinnati, um, and that will offensive tackles. We are not going to really have to worry about um, Nicholas Petit Friere uh, is one of them. Ohio State, and Colby Dean, linebacker, Georgia. He, to me, he screams New England Patriot because he's just just a good football player that you can use as a really versatile chess piece. Feels like he could be used in a similar role to Dante Hightower. And at least right away alongside it. Oh. <laughs> I kind of like that. I'm really tempted to take wide receiver here. And let me tell you why. We don't necessarily need it right now. But we're going to need it. Because Thielen's going to be gone here in a year or two. KJ Osborne is a solid number three. Can he take that jump to a solid number two? I just don't know. And when we look at how these teams have been built that are currently in the playoffs, the Bengals have two bona fide number ones, a fringe number one in Tyler Boyd. They have Joe Mixon, who they're paying a bunch of money in the backfield. And then the Chiefs are loaded. The Niners have a ton of weapons they use in different ways. And I'll get to that here in a second. And then the Rams, they've loaded up on their weapons group as well. It might be advantageous for the Vikings to take a receiver and then with Justin Jefferson in a year signs his big extension, you have his running mate making a rookie salary. And I think that can be very attractive, especially because we could be talking about setting this team up for a future franchise quarterback without actually taking one this year. Because that's on the table as well. The The Bills rebuild really started in 2017 when they started drafting for the quarterback. And then 2018, they got Allen. And in 2019, they built the offensive line. 2020, they got Diggs. And then now they're continuing that process throughout. Might not be a bad idea to take a trail on Burks, who a lot of people are saying, and I completely agree, you can utilize him in a very diverse way, like the Niners use Debo Samuel. So I... uh... So ISM showed me some potential in that Bears game. And I, honestly, you don't you don't want to hang your hat on that because it was only one game. It was kind of a meaningless game. But I feel like we're pretty good at wide receivers. And since you already have that number one, you're drafting just to find that number two guy. And I feel like that's something that you could probably do the year of or something you could find in free agency. I'd, I'd have a hard time not taking Carson Strong here. Uh, I've, I feel like... I, I feel like that's that's the pick you have to go with. I mean, you have this guy; he's here. He's probably not going to make it out of the first round. Somebody would probably trade up into the first round to get him if he does slide that far. I personally would go up with Carson Strong. If you didn't take quarterback, I really like Jermaine Johnson at edge. Uh, I think he, while he does probably fit a three four better, he just he's an athlete. He's just he's a good player. He's an athlete. 
He does multiple things on the defense, and he's just like he's he's a defensive playmaker, and that's really what the defense needs. So, in my opinion, I'd be taking strong first, and then if we didn't go strong, I would take Jermaine Johnson. I do like the idea of Carson Strong. I think everybody knows that they have seen on Twitter my uh, my nice little uh, jersey swaps of Carson Strong. I love the guy, but I do want to point out that uh, TDN currently does. Did they segment it differently this year? Okay, so it does say we do need receiver. So that's that's mm-hmm. something to at least be aware of. Ryan, get to birth. Oh, receiver is Fine. high on the board. Yep. Um, but And it's also absolutely loaded at the top, which is why I kind of started talking about it. But we can always reassess at 46 and decide if we want to go that route. Carson Strong, the quarterback out in Nevada. Something to know about Carson Strong we don't know how good his knee is. He had a right knee uh, surgery uh, in February and rushed back. It was a 10-month heel time. He wanted to play, and you could tell that he was very hindered. He's not a super athlete. He's going to stand in the pocket, he, but he's got pocket awareness and movement like Dan Marino and Big Ben. He knows how to avoid pressure, avoid taking hits, and he can feel it coming, stuff that we don't necessarily have currently uh, with Kirk Cousins. He's not going to win a lot outside of structure. He's not going to run like Josh Allen. He's got a piss missile on, attached to his shoulder. He can throw the football. Um, Ryan, we're going to talk about Malik Willis moving forward. Um, but tonight, I think we're going to end up taking Carson Strong, and we're going to kind of see how that works. The nice part about these mock drafts is we're going to do a lot. We're going to take a lot of different players and go a lot of different directions because we want to see how this can impact the Minnesota Vikings long-term. And there's a lot of different ways it can happen, which is the best part about these mock drafts. We're probably going to not get any of these picks right, but it's good to learn about it. (laughs) And Ryan obviously wanted Malik Willis. Too bad, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Oh, trust me. I would love Malik Willis. But um, make sure you check out my article tonight. There may be a little something on Malik Willis. Um, The Kobe Dean is the one that stands out here. The Kobe Dean could be a top Mm -hmm. 10 pick. And this is kind of what we talked about at the top, where this class is very deep. And a lot of guys who could be drafted uh, between 10 and 20. And this is the absolute peak. I know Deshaun loves Kyer Elam. Um, Darian Kennard. That's my guy, uh, man. Interior offensive lineman, Kentucky. Oh, Kennard is really, really good. And he is nasty. Like, you, you see what Trent Williams is doing to guys uh, on Saturday against Green Bay Packers, just leveling people. That's what Kennard does, and he plays guard. And the Vikings need to solidify the interior of that offensive line, so that could be a really good option. Um, is that the one My that, uh, Sanders? I saw the clip My today. Sanders is good. Where the guard just took – no, because that kid's from Notre Dame. Where the guard took the guy and just right-handed him and planted him into the dirt. Oh, I I love a line tape like that. It's beautiful. Um, so I personally, Kyrie Elam is my guy right here. I would go Kyrie. There. Um. Now we do need linebacker for sure. They're going to need a linebacker, but there are three linebackers that I have my eye on in this class there's brandon smith from penn state he's a super raw guy just again another one of those athletes i think he slides to the third round there's chad muma i i love chad muma oh, the I, love wyoming kid. I love his yeah. instincts 
Um, yes, I love Chad Muma. I think he's going to be one of the biggest. Like he's a second rounder, maybe a French first, but I think he's going to go in a second. I think he's going to be a steal. Like I think this kid's going to be really good. Uh, he was uh, who did he play with? Uh, Bengals Logan Wyoming. Wilson. And I think he's. I think he's better than him. And, and I think he is better than him. So style, I. Right. So here I would go Elam, and then at fifty. I would go linebacker with Chad Muma. You good with See, that? I'll say this: we can go Elam, but with the Kobe Dean still on the board and how we structured this class, I think you have to go Dean because. And I'll argue it this way, Deshaun: Dean isn't just a, your standard off-ball linebacker. He was uh, he had a ninety, he had a grade over ninety in coverage. He had a grade over ninety in stopping the run. And he had a grade over 90 as a pass rusher. Not not just a blitzer, a pass rusher. The guy does everything. And I think one reason why he could fall, his size isn't exactly what you would call ideal. Um, he's like six foot and a quarter, weighs 227 pounds. But Which the is man is just a great a football man. player. Yeah, but in today's game, yeah, but. But yeah, if you use him correctly, he doesn't his look size small won't matter. though. If you use him, he doesn't oh, look small. That's right. the thing. Well, Drew said he doesn't make it this far down, anyways. Um, I don't think he will either. I think he goes top fifteen. But the fact that he's here, if he's here, I, I'd trade up for him. But um, I'll, Dave, I'll let you. Like we're different. Deshaun wants Elam. I want Dean. Break uh, the tie for us. <sighs> I gotta go with Deshaun on this because so my only issue is, is that the corner, yeah, the corner talent falls off after this almost. There's, there's you're hard to find kind of anybody in the outside. You get a lot of slot talent after this, though. So. It's hard to see, Dave. Can you read it off? <laughs> they yes. To um, sorry. I think it's a third and um, a six for it's a uh, to move up to forty nine. It is. A third round at 77 and a fourth at 117. No, I'm good. You're good? The only reason I said no is there's no way in hell that the Saints actually offer that trade. You're you're going up. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no on this one. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. All right. there's a lot so of talent let's, left. Let's before. take a look. All right. Well, here's the best part, Deshaun. Nicobe Dean is still on the board. Let's take let's take a look at kind of what we're looking at. Yeah. Um, Trey, Mc, Trey McBride is a guy that you're going to want to watch. Um, Devin Jackson uh, of Blue Chip Scouting really turned me on to Trey McBride. One of his guys. Trey McBride does everything that you want from a tight end. He's explosive in the open field. He's got a great catch radius. Contested catches are a plus trade as well. Great hands, really good in space, and he's a nasty blocker. Like He is the complete package of tight end, and with the Vikings tight end room moving forward, probably going to be not super good with likely only Irv Smith left with Tyler Conklin. I'm projecting leaving free agency. He's the guy you're going to want to watch out for as somebody who could potentially be our tight end one in 2023. You don't think Ellison will step up? I think he'll be fine as a two or three, but I don't think he's the number one. 
there's another guy in his class. Uh, the the uh, I think he's an Ohio State guy. I like him a lot. It reminds me a lot Ruckert. of Kyle Rudolph. Great hands. Ruckert. Yeah, Ruckert. Great hands. Great catching traffic. Dude makes highlight real. I like him a lot in the third. All right. Mm-hmm. Since this is a no-brainer, yeah, we're going with Dean. Yeah. All right. So we have a corner. We have a quarterback of the future. And we have a do-it-all linebacker who who is who excels on all three levels of the defense. Now, as we take a look at the next little bit, we've got a few tight ends up at the top. Ruckert is one of the ones you talked about. Kate Otten, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina, who is fantastic. He does a lot of the same things that I mentioned with Trey McBride, and he's very explosive. Um, Clark, linebacker from LSU, probably not going to go that route. Uh, Koi Walker, same thing. Uh, Mario Goodrich is a good player out of Clemson. Um, more, even more linebackers. Brandon Smith, as you mentioned, Chad Muma, Jojo Doman from right, Nebraska so is a name to keep yeah. out of as well. Um, Abraham Lucas, offensive tackle, Washington State. We don't need that. Uh, Zach Carter. Zach Carter is a guy I want to talk about because he is, I think he's going to be a three technique in the NFL. He played a lot of the buck position. He played a lot of edge, like kind of like a five technique style uh, at Florida. He excelled both on the interior and on the outside. He's an absolute freak athletically, and he's got a motor. I think he could be a really good value here, especially for a team in flux, and you don't really know how you're going to utilize some of these guys on the front line. You need another guy to rush the password and play the run. I think that could be Zach Carter. So here, I would, I think I would lean Jeremy Ruckett here. I mean, you're leaning on the offense to be good, so you want to make sure that they are sound at all positions. And I'm starting to think, I mean, we want more spread this year, but you can also see us kind of going back to that two tight end. And I think with two tight ends, with Ruckett and Irv Smith, especially if we start to use Irv Smith correctly. Now, when Irv Smith first started, his target depth was less than CJ Ham, which is ridiculous. So... If we start to use Irv Smith correctly, you, that two tight end set with Jeremy Ruckett and him is going to be like, it'll be like having three or four wide receivers on the field. I think you get Carson Strong, you maximize him, you go in free agency, you get your two offensive linemen, you get him another weapon in Jeremy Ruckett, an end zone guy, who's he's basically just Kyle Rudolph all over again. I think that you maximize Carson Strong in the best way with Jeremy Ruckett. So that that's the way I would go. Now, Edge is kind of concerning. Edge is definitely very concerning when it comes to this draft because it, it almost feels like if you don't get one early, you kind of just miss out on the whole group. But you also got to remember that you have guys like – and also while you shouldn't really expect too much from guys who set out the whole year, you have Janarius Robinson coming back. You're getting Patrick Jones again in another full offseason. So there are options there. But I can definitely see maybe – and also you don't want to reach because as you can see by the board, the edge talent kind of falls apart. I personally would go Ruckett here, but I could definitely see going defensive line just to add another body there, hoping that you can get a group that's going to be better than what we had last year. So I'll kind of take what you said, Deshaun, and I'll, I'll expand on it. I I struggle taking a guy who you're comparing to Kyle Rudolph because as good as he is in the red zone, how how much are you going to use him between the 20s? Like I And especially at Ohio State, I understand Ohio State had – probably the best wide receiver group of all time. And we really saw that exemplified in the Rose Bowl when they didn't play without their top two guys, Wilson and Olave. But they never used him 
in between the 20s. It was red zone specific. And when I hear Kyle Rudolph, I don't want to tie it in as going to be red zone specific, especially if he's potentially going to be my number one guy. Of the guys that I see still on the board, I think that would be Isaiah Likely. Um, he was the number one option for Coastal Carolina. He was able to dominate it on the outside, up the seam, phenomenal with the ball in his hands in the open field, able to make plays and break away from defenders, albeit in the Sun Belt. But a tight end in the Sun Belt is breaking away from Sun Belt corners. And I think you can't overlook that element, especially if we don't re-sign Irv Smith Jr. Likely could be the guy to just slide right into a spot. And because of the system they run, which is a spread version of the triple option, where they do a lot of like split zone counters, they do a lot of lead stuff with the tight ends. I think you could talk about Isaiah Likely as the next guy up uh, in that tight end room. All right. So I don't – yeah. The Wilfs want to make this team competitive next year. Out of all these on the board, what makes them the most competitive? We know most of our holes will be on defense, but what makes the team the most competitive? If we're picking somebody in the third round, how is he going to contribute to make the team competitive. That's the direction we should go. And if you're telling me it's tight end, which I disagree with, then it's tight end. If you're telling me it's a three tech, because we might get rid of Tomlinson or Pierce, um, Pierce obviously knows, there's uh to me, it's a simple answer. I think it's Chad Mumo so, or Zach Carter, I, if you're talking in that context only. So I don't think you fix the defense all in one draft. I think we're kind of just going into this off this offseason and expecting the defense to regress. I think to be the the most competitive, it would be to make defense is is try your best to have the offense be top five, in my opinion. Um, and I like Jeremy Ruckett because he's saw he's he's almost complete. He can do everything. So now he he can he can run block with the best he he can run run block with the best of them and like you said he didn't he wasn't used in the way between the twenties like you said but I just think having that end, extra end zone target makes the difference I mean if you can convert in the end zone I mean just having that guy that like almost almost like how the uh, the Roger Rogers used Robert Tunyon if you have that guy who can in the end zone convert for you time and time again it changes your offense I mean converting in the in the end zone is something that you still have to do. I think he can carve out a role and, and actually contribute year one. And honestly, and also I don't imagine us moving on from Irv Smith. I think if he comes in and he plays well, I still think he takes kind of a discount guild because he's been injured so much and he hasn't really produced. But that was just kind of my <laughs> thing. And I think they they create that. Uh... <laughs> Listen, Mike Zimmer had the defense doing some crazy stuff last year. Remember, we played the Rams and the Rams scored, what, like 10 points in the first half against us or something insane? It could have been much, much worse. I mean, imagine giving up like 25-30 in the first half because that's that's what it may look like next year without Zimmer. But wow. in my opinion, you make the defense as sound as you possibly can. And I think and I think Jeremy Ruckett does it. I think he gives you that all-around blocking tight end when you're running. He gives you a receiver option to end zone, and him and Irv makes a cool one-two punch. Honestly, Isaiah likely wouldn't be bad either because Irv Smith has shown that he can be that he can be a blocker too. And it's and you go tight end early because you want to be diverse within your your concepts. You don't want to have to always come out and spread to 
to be good. You can go to two tight end and still pass the ball. You can go to two tight end and still run the ball. It's about being diverse in your offense because if you can do that, you can beat team multiple ways offensively. You don't want to get one-dimensional. You don't want teams to be able to figure you out. I mean, you don't have Patrick Mahomes. You don't, we don't have someone that's unstoppable, so you still have to be able to scheme around and scheme beat defenses. Chris is right. If we're going to fix the defense through the draft, how many years is it going to take? You need to start somewhere. If you delay by at least two tight end, at least two. If you start by taking a tight end here versus somebody that can actually play next year, you are shooting yourself in the foot because the tight end was going to. I don't think a third round pick plays next year. I don't think a third round pick on a defensive line plays next year. I I don't think he does because you have so many. You have so many defensive linemen already waiting in the ring. He has so many people to beat out that I don't. I'm not sure he does. I mean, he, he might. He might come in and beat those guys out. Who have we but got? You have Armand Watson. You have Armand Watts. You have Jalen Twyman coming in. You have Janarius Rahman, who is inside out. You have Patrick Jones, who can also do inside out. So it's not. I wouldn't. Ex, I wouldn't expect. It's possible, but I wouldn't expect a third round pick to come in on the defensive line and contribute right away. Now he took a third round corner. Maybe we have holes there. But on the defensive line, they could find a hard time coming in. Now, right. tight end. There's one corner on they're the gonna, board. Goodrich. What's wrong with him? I mean, you could Goodrich take him. Honestly, you, you could definitely take him. But in my opinion, if you're being competitive next season, it's making sure your offense is a bona fide top five offense because that's how you're going to be competitive. By if a, your offense, the a defense, tight end two at best. Yes. Yeah, have it, I'm telling if you, man. Have Ellison. Hey, I, I, I want to point this out because I advocated for taking Traylon Burks in round one for kind of this same element. You, you, you stack up the offense and you're also drafting for the future. But we chose not to do that. And now we're kind of talking about tight end in the same ilk. Like, All right. We got a question there by Joseph uh, on inside O-line. Let's look by position. Yeah, I wouldn't draft it. It's thin. Yeah, it's thin. I wouldn't draft it. I I'd free agency. I'd free agent entire entire line. None of these line. guys. I, no, I do like I like Parham because he he's small. He's under three hundred pounds, but he's strong and he's tough. I think you can get him up over three hundred pounds without losing too much. But it is like drafting another Bradbury. <laughs> it really is. But I, I like his game. I think he can still be strong and tough. But he's he's a he's a small guy. The entire offensive line ain't it this year. All right, uh, here's Steven, the corners. Jared Patterson went back to Notre Dame. He's, he's running it back with Marcus Freeman, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, Alante Taylor's a good player. We already talked a little bit about Goodrich. Uh, Michael Wright's all right. Cam Taylor-Britt has a lot of fans. Um, Colby Bryant uh, from Cincinnati, the running mate of Sauce Gardner. Um, Colby was a good player. Uh, I really liked him. Um, Caleb Evans also has a lot of fans. He's a hyper-athlete. Um, really start at Tulsa before transferring to Missouri for this past season. Um, There's a lot of ways you I'd, can go. I don't, I don't think, and I also don't I'd think you can go wrong either. Either way, this team, this team has so many holes. You can't. You're reinforcing something on the team, no matter who you take. I don't think you can go wrong. Like we said, 2022 is probably a wash. It's about getting the best players so that when 2023 rolls around, you're ready to go. So I don't think you can go wrong with anybody you pick. Honestly, I don't think you can fix the defense in one offseason. So that's no, why I kind of lean making the offense as best you can. You gotta start. You can, and we did. We took a corner, and we took who did we take? 
We took a corner and a linebacker. We'll and if you on. honestly, if you hit though, and and we took two high profile guys too. We took like two guys that can be first round picks. So we took two pretty mm-hmm. decent players. Now Edge is kind of the only group that I wish there was somebody left that I was really high on this late in the draft. But as of right as of right now, this early in the research isn't. That's kind of where I would be in the third round trying to find that edge guy. But until we find that, I'm kind of leaning toward making sure that offense is. And honestly, it doesn't have to be tight end. It could be wide receiver. If there was a wide receiver here that I felt like elevated the offense that could play right away in front of some other guys, I would take that too. But until you Mm -hmm. find some defensive guys that you think that you really think is going to play right away, I kind of lean to making sure the offense is as best it could be because come 2023, that's going to be your calling card. You want to make sure that every single position. (laughs) He's going to trade back. Yes, sir. All right. (laughs) Um, We've got one tackle on the board. Abraham Lucas. Can he be moved to guard? No. Is he good enough? No. Absolutely not. No, I, he doesn't have the body. Yeah, and I was also I would cancel the experiment too. Yeah. All right. I think it's down to like kind of what we're talking about. Deshaun would go Jeremy Rocker. I'd go Zach Carter because I think Zach Carter can play a little bit of edge too. And I'm not sold that the, the Vikings are going to be keeping all those guys. DJ Wanham had the f- most fraudulent nine sacks of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have anybody oh, who awesome, I would consider. <laughs> they don't. No. I'm not sold. I'm not sold on Patrick Jones, and I'm not sold to Janarius Robinson as people who can play big time snaps for the Minnesota Vikings. Oh. So even though Carter's even drafted. though they have depth, even though they have depth on defensive line, I'm not convinced that they have enough to keep us from drafting somebody else. Drew, safety, I I don't know. Question. We may be set at safety because Harrison Smith stays, and then you've got um you got Cam Bynum. All right, so we'll probably just make this our our last pick. Taking a look at the board. You got a couple running backs right at the top. Marquise Bell um is uh is a very, very good player from the FCS level. Um, plays at HBCU Florida AM. Really, really explosive player. Drew, uh, you you can come uh, to my house. Um, I'm not letting DJ want him to come to my house. That's that's not okay. Um, Sterling Weatherford, if you want a safety, he's a really versatile piece. Alec Lindstrom is an okay interior offensive lineman. He is a guy that I'm surprised uh, did not get a senior bowl invite. Um, Lindstrom, he's going to the Shrine Bowl. Very good interior guy, has a lot of fans. If you want to continue to beef up that piece, which I would argue you want you should at this point beef up guard in free agency, just because I don't I don't think you're gonna be able to get uh get that kind of guy. Um Alec Pierce, I'll be honest, I'm not hundred percent sold on him. I don't know yet. I want to watch the tape. This would this would be a good value spot for him, um, Sean. What do you think? Uh, it's kind of rough at this end, this back end of the draft. I think again, we would probably be looking to load up the trenches again, or maybe go another cornerback. Just kind of at this point in the draft, you're just kind of throwing darts at built bodies on the defense, seeing who sticks. So another edge would be good, a corner would be good. Um, 
I interior like offensive Jones. line is kind of questionable because I would, I would really like, and wide receiver would be a, a good one to go here too. Fourth round for wide receiver will be good too. That's kind of like keeping that room cycling, keep adding talent to that room, guys that can develop and eventually become something at a time. So this would be a good round for a wide receiver too. But I think, what was I going with this? Uh, <laughs> I really want to see them build the offensive line, just at least the rest of it through free agency. So I'd struggle taking it into your offensive line, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a bad idea just kind of bringing a guy to compete, especially if they decide to let uh, our guy go, Mason Cole. If they decide to let Mason Cole walk, it could be good to bring in a talent in the fourth round. So it's hard to say where I would lean, but I, ooh, I think... I think I would lean wide receiver here. So uh, since Ryan said Alec Pierce, I guess should we should we trust Ryan's judgment? Does, is he an Oklahoma guy? Is Alec Pierce like Oklahoma or something? No, Cincinnati. Um, he was Desmond Ritter's top target. Um, I'm not sold on him, but I'm not. I'm also not uh, not against taking him. Let's take Pierce here, and we'll. We'll kind of wrap this uh, mock draft up as we have already crossed the 9 o'clock hour here in God's time zone, the Central. Let's take a look at our picks. And I think we did a pretty good job of getting needs and really good players. Uh, Carson Strong, quarterback out of Nevada at uh, 25 after a trade down. Uh, Kyer Elam, cornerback out of Florida at 46. Nicobe Dean, linebacker out of Georgia at 50. Zach Carter, um, White or sorry, a defensive tackle slash edge at 77, and then Alec Pierce at 127, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> Dave, do you hate this draft? Yeah, Let's be honest. Dave doesn't like this draft. <laughs> oh, I'm okay with that. Um, I think you come away with three guys that can produce year one, and if you could do that, especially at the quarter, especially with one of those being a quarterback, I think you you kind of smash this draft. And I mean, and quarterback and linebacker are two things that we like absolutely need. And if those, if those guys can come in and be good right away, like I think this draft is, mm-hmm. is all that. But the thing is, we're still going to struggle with natural pressure, which is going to suck. It's like, and I feel like it kind of feels like it's either or with some of these positions. Sometimes it's like you either get a linebacker or you get an edge or you get a corner or you get an edge. It's kind of it's kind of weird there because I feel like the edge challenge in this draft is really like really hot at the top and there's nothing after that. So we'll have to see what happens. Um and so some of those linebackers back there that kind of drift off into the third round. So it could be it could be cool to look at some of those guys, but of course you want to make you want playmakers first before you start drafting for need. And I still think, yeah, Dean was the right choice. I and mean, then next year you go all out on the edge guys, especially if Carson Strong ends up being your guy at quarterback and you can just start throwing resources at for need, you'll you'll end up with someone good eventually. You don't know you don't need to hit on all positions this year. You hit on a few, you go next year, and you start to build your team. Yeah. All right. As we finish up, uh let's let's wrap up some stuff here uh in the in the chat. Joseph, we'd love to keep going, but um unfortunately it is it is getting a little long in the tooth tonight. It has been fun chatting with you guys, talking NFL draft. Dean is not going to last till fifty. No. If Dean lasts until fifty, like I will drink like a jar of pickle juice live on YouTube. Like, <laughs> well, JOK he, did last for a minute. That was kind of wild. He he came out that, in the first round, didn't he? Uh, he? That he lasted until fifty-eight only because um, there was like, there was, like some injury concern, heart issue. It, no, it was like a heart issue. Yeah. Um, 
and then they got that cleared up pretty quick. Otherwise, he's probably a top 20 pick. Uh, and that was unfortunate right. for him, but he ended up in a fantastic spot to utilize the talents. He was great this year when he was healthy. Um, otherwise, uh, guys, this is a great show. We talked a lot about a lot of prospects, a lot of different directions this team can go. Even within our direction that we chose for this team, we really talked about a lot of elements um, in different ways to get there. So I think this was really productive and trying to prognosticate and inform everybody of what the Vikings could do. So as we kind of continue moving forward, what's going to be really nice is this is going to happen every single week. And every single week we're going to be taking different paths to getting the, the next pieces to a Minnesota Vikings future Super Bowl roster. Gentlemen, any last words? Yeah, man, we're look. I think we're really looking forward to getting to that back half of the of the draft too. Really digging deep because that's where the fun is. The diamonds, the draft diamonds. That's where all the fun is. Mm-hmm. That's where you make your money. That's Let's that's the part we're excited to get to. The front half to. first. Let's get deep in those. Those guys are <laughs> the, the ones that are going to We know those guys already. Those are the guys the stars you watch all uh, season. We know those guys already. That, that back, not all of them, but the back. If half, I had my brothers, were drafting linemen all over the place. So hey. all right well from dave from deshaun i am tyler nick real quick um gm ryan poles raheem morris head coach um yes chris i i have that it's downstairs next time you stop over you'll be able to see it and you'll understand why i don't have it above there until then enjoy your mock drafts enjoy the off season enjoy the fact that the packers are no longer in the playoffs (laughs) and have yourself a beautiful Purple Monday. Skull, everybody! Skull! Climb in the pocket. Thanks you for watching. Remember to like, subscribe, ring the bell, and if you're listening, rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull! Skull!